Welcome to this special edition of the The Generation Podcast, where we'll be broadcasting all the sermons and workshops from the 2019 The Generation Youth Summit. I'm Bobby Bosler, and the sermon for today was preached at 2 p.m. on October 17th, 2019 at the The Generation Youth Summit in Menominee Falls. The preacher was Pastor Sean Smith. For many years, he's been a friend of Minutemen Ministries, and uh, this was his first time out of the Generation Youth Summit. We were glad to have him, and Pastor Smith's burden there on that day was just to encourage us that, you know what, regardless of our past and our failures, God still wants to use us. And uh, be encouraged uh, that even though there may be some things God's dealing with us, rest assured, God wants to use you, and He can. person next to you and repeat after me. I am so glad I don't look like you. All right, now we're ready. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogue, that he found any of his way, whether they were men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks." And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now turn over to verse 10. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and said unto the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth, and hath seen a vision, a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. And may the ability in enabling your grace be made proven here today and clear. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I love stories that talk about people being in a certain place and getting to a place of great usefulness, and that's the story we read here today. Um, I don't know really, I've been debating on where to start for a long time, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about my upbringing and then my wife's, just so you can understand where I'm coming from. Uh, My parents divorced when I was three years old. I remember sitting in in a youth rally similar to this when I'm 14 years of age, 
and Dr. Harold Seitler was preaching this text. In fact, a lot of the things I got from this message I remembered from 16 years of age. He preached this text, and he talked about and he kept asking the question, Can God use you? And he asked that question over and over again, Can God use you? And, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? I'm from a divorced home. Uh, we live in a trailer park. Um, I never knew that poor people lived in a trailer park. I thought we were pretty rich. We had a car and food. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know that it was a bad thing at the time to live in a trailer park. I didn't understand what divorce meant. All I knew that I had just gotten saved. I was excited about the Lord. And this guy's asking, can God use you? And I'm praying, Lord, I know you can't use me, but there are plenty of kids in this room that if they would just give their life to you are in a much better place than I am, and you can use them greatly. I seriously prayed that. But by the end of that message, I began to realize that there was no difference between me and everybody else sitting in that room. God could even use me. My wife, when I met her, uh, it took her a long time to open up the story. Uh, and I asked her today, I said, can I tear, share just a little bit of your story with everyone? And she said, yes. Um, when my wife grew up, she grew up in a broken home as well. And nobody in her family really, even her mom, wanted her to live with them. In fact, when she was younger, there were times she'd come home by herself from elementary school and the only thing for her to eat in the house would be uh, hot chocolate packets. And she'd open the hot chocolate and that's what she'd have to eat. Uh, for part of her life, she lived in a bedroom just on top of a bar. When she finally did get to move in with her grandparents, she loved it. Her grandmother died. Many in her family thought that her grandmother died because of her. And no one, she, no one really knew what to do with her, so they sent her off to a Christian boarding school, Dublin Christian Academy, which is where my wife began to grow and, and learn and serve. And so the Lord brought two of us together from backgrounds. You think, hey, there's no way God's going to ever use you, but can I tell you, God delights in using people that nobody thinks is usable. And as we come to our text this morning and we look at this guy named Paul, I want you to understand, in his past life, he was a murderer, and if we turn over to 1 Timothy, it says, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious. Now, that was his description of before. So he says, before, I was a blasphemer. I was somebody that denied that Jesus Christ was God. He, number two, he was a persecutor. He killed people that did believe that Christ was God. And number three, he was injurious. He hurt people. You ever heard rubbing salt in the wound? In, in other words, making it worse? Paul said, that's the kind of man I was. And there are a lot of young people in this room from all kinds of backgrounds. And maybe you're not coming from the perfect Christian background. And maybe there has been some difficulties in your life. And maybe no one else knows the things that you're going through right now. And you may be sitting in this place and looking at people all around you and say, Man, I hope God can use some of them, but I know there's limitations on me. I want to tell you this morning, the only limitation that's on you is the limitations you put on yourself. God delights in using anyone who makes themselves available to Him. Three things I want to look at this, more, this afternoon and I'll be done. Number one, our past is no obstacle to God. Our past is no obstacle to the Lord. As we look at our text here, we understand that according to His own testimony, He was guilty of doing everything in His power to put Christianity to death. Paul. He said in Acts 22, verse 4, And I persecuted this way unto death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Acts chapter 26 and verse 10, Which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. Paul was a rebel. 
You know the way Saul was a rebel. He, 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 he was a denier of Jesus Christ. And, and you might have come to this, this activity this week maybe because you had to. Uh, maybe because you weren't given any choices. Uh, and maybe you came thinking about the activities and all the fun you can have. And maybe you came with a little bit of rebellion in your heart yourself. And as you began to listen to preaching and you began to think of everything going on, maybe there's a part of you that says, you know what, I just don't know if God could use me. Well, don't you understand, in his testimony himself, Paul was a rebel. And then in Acts chapter 7, verse 58, Paul recounts how Paul gave his approval on the murder of Stephen. He was a, a wicked man. But his wickedness proved to be no obstacle to the grace and saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And your past cannot keep you from serving God unless you let it. I've seen so many young people feel so defeated because they've messed up. And, and maybe they think, if anybody ever finds out that I've messed up, or maybe the mess up is even just still secret and it's hidden within, and, and you think because of this thing that there's no way you'll ever be disabled to serve the Lord. But regardless of what you've done, if you come to Jesus Christ and ask His forgiveness, all your sin is forgiven. He wipes the slate clean. I, I was a youth pastor in Florida, and I met this young man. His name was Josh Murray, and it was exciting. He came to the war, and I never will forget, Brother Jim was up front preaching, and he's in the back, and he's one of those guys, you know, like this, bless me if you can. And he's sitting there, and I'm thinking, as youth pastor, this guy's going to ruin the spirit of the entire meeting. I wish he would not have come. Well, not a spiritual youth pastor. I mean, I'm just a great youth pastor. But he just had that attitude about him. I'm thinking, oh, this is horrible. Well, he came, he sat, he, he talked to people, he was friendly, did not get saved. Saturday, he comes by the church, and I'm, I'm trying to clean up after everything. I said, hey, Josh, how you doing? He said, I don't believe in God. I said, okay, why don't you help me clean up? <laughs> and so he's cleaning up, and he said, well, you don't understand. I don't believe in God. I said, that's okay. I said, it doesn't matter what you believe. I heard a story years ago about this ant, and it was a, it was a very stupid ant. He climbed on train tracks, and he's going across this train track one day, and Casey Jones, the greatest engineer of all time, is coming down the track, and Casey Jones stops and says, little ant, I'm sorry, I'm always on time, would you please get off the track? And the little ant says, I don't believe in trains. So Casey Jones gets back in, blows him off the track, okay? Gets back in, starts up, the ant crawls back on the track again. Casey Jones looks at it and says, listen, I told you I'm a train engineer. If you don't get off the track, you're going to be in trouble. The ant says, I don't believe in trains. If you're Casey Jones, what do you do? You teach him trains exist. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, now listen, it doesn't matter how many people raise their fist and say they don't believe in God. It doesn't change the fact that he is. And I never will forget, it took a week. He said, well, I just don't know if I can believe that. I said, let me ask you this. Why? He said, because I don't believe God created everything. I said, man, you got more faith than I do. He said, what do you mean? I said, you believe that hydrogen and oxygen got together and started talking one day and said, hey, why don't we run into each other and blow up? And maybe we can create everything. 
Really? Yeah, we're going to blow up and everything's going to come together. Doesn't that sound like a great plan? And, and they, they met and they blew up. And I said, you believe that? I'm going to tell you, it takes more faith to believe that than believe in the beginning God. We talked for hours. And he said, well, he said, I'm just empty. I said, listen, do me a favor. Try to do everything you can to fill that emptiness in your life. And if nothing fills it, you come back and talk to me. I didn't know this, but he did. Two days later, he comes back. He said, listen, I've tried every drink that I like. I've tried every, every uh, drug that I like. He said, I'm still empty. What do I do? I opened my Bible, and I shared the gospel with him, and he trusted Christ as a Savior. And he said, but what do I do now? He said, I've done all these things. I said, think of the worst thing you've ever done, but don't tell me. I said, it's forgiven. It's clean. He's now a youth pastor in Florida. If you had told me that the first time he walked into the, to the war and sat at the back, I never would have believed you. But that's the power of the gospel of Christ. When you put your faith and trust in Christ, not only does he wipe the slate clean, he places the righteousness of Christ on your account. And so not only is our sin forgiven, but we have the ability to live out the righteousness of Christ in us. It doesn't matter who you are today. If you come to Jesus Christ, He can cleanse your heart, forgive you from all unrighteousness, wipe the slate clean, and you can be used of God. Can God use me? Now, I'm going to ask that question again. When I do, I want you to respond with the affirmative, God can. Can God use me? Amen. Now, you've got to preach better than that. We're going to go to sleep. Can God use me? He sure can use you. And the first step is to be second step. Number two, maybe you've been saved. Maybe there's been a time in your life when you trusted Christ as your personal Savior. Number two, our present circumstances are no obstacle to God. Paul, at this point in time, was a murderer. And nobody knows what you came in here with. You may have come in and, and, and maybe there's a problem with some things that you've placed before your eyes. Things you never should have seen. Things that you know is wrong. But things that are too easily available today. Maybe today you've been listening to music or things that are, that's hindering you. Maybe today uh, your issues are pride Maybe something's happened in your life and you've been treated wrong and maybe somebody that should have treated you better has treated you wrong and you've developed some bitterness in your life. I'm not sure the state, but I know everyone in here came in here in a different state of mind. And there could be some dealing with certain sins in your life and you may be sitting right there and say, Preacher, listen, I know God can use a lot of people, but you don't know what's in my heart today. No, but I know who sits on the throne. And I know with a humble and contrite, repentant heart, if you'll trust Christ and ask His forgiveness today, you can be still used of God. We've listened to the lie from the enemy for so long. It says, listen, you've got sin in your life. God doesn't care about you. That's a lie. He died for you. He loves you. And he's no respecter of persons. Listen, I fall into that trap. I'm a, I'm a, you won't believe this, but I'm a hick. 
I grew up in South Carolina. I, I'm really pretty much a nobody. Parents divorced. Didn't come from a Christian home. Graduated from Bible college. You know, some graduate from summa cum laude and all that. I graduated praise the laude. <laughs> I'm not an intellectual. I know that surprised you, but I'm not. In fact, there are probably more things I don't know than I do know. But I do know God's been good to me. It, I expect God to do great things for, for important people. You know what Pastor Van Gelderen calls and they get money for a bus? I expect that. You know it's Pastor Van Gelderen. You know what I'm saying? I mean, in my mind, he's here. And I'm just a little below there. It's what I expected. And to hear all the good, you expect those things. But when God starts doing something for me, I have a hard time understanding that. My wife and I never owned a home. Never had one. Lived in a apartment our whole life. This year, somebody gave us a 4,200-foot square house for nothing. Now, if, if Brother Jim calls, hey, Brother Sean, what's up? God gave me out. I believe that. Uh, but I'm simply telling you here today, God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter where you are or what your background is, where your parents are, what side of the street you live on, what track you grew up on. The God that sits on the throne loves you just as much, cares about you just as much, and wants to use you more than you could ever want to be used. He cares for you. Stop listening to the lies of the defeated devil. It all starts with your willingness to be humble and get right with God. It doesn't matter how you walk into this room. What matters is how you walk out. You can come in here today and maybe there's a problem with your thought life. Maybe there's a problem with your prayer life. Maybe there's a problem with your spiritual walk. Maybe you have a problem between you and your parents or your siblings. And, and when you walked in that room, you brought that in. But by the grace of God, you can walk out and leave it here. You don't have to take that with you. God wants to use you in a great way. You know Moses was 80 years old when God called him into the ministry after he murdered somebody? You read scripture. God used Gideon when he was hiding. Yeah, God's found me hiding a few times too. You know what I used to think? I used to think that faith and great faith were these things that were just hard to obtain. That only few, you ever read George Mueller's book? I mean, I'm thinking, no way. I mean, praying, you're thanking the Lord for food and it's sitting at the front door, you know what I'm saying? I mean, but you know what I've learned? Faith like that is not a quantity. And it's not hard. It's just trust. 
And you may be here sitting today, oh, you don't understand, Brother John. You don't know where I'm at. I don't care. You, you don't know what's in my life. I don't care. I know what God can do because He's done it for me. And He's no respecter of persons. Don't sell yourself short. You're valuable to Him. He desires to use you in a phenomenally great way. You'd say, Brother Sean, I don't look as sharp and as good looking as you are. I know, but God can use you anyway. <laughs> Looks are not everything. Why are y'all laughing at that? <laughs> Regardless of your present circumstances today, God wants to use you in a great way. Thirdly, Regardless of your personal characteristics, they're no obstacle to God. Do you know everybody has personality quirks? Hmm. I mean, everybody's different. Some people can speak in front of other people. Some people, that scares them. Some people can sing. Some people think they can sing. And some people can. Some people are funny and some people are serious. Some people are hard workers and some people are lazy. But no matter what your personal characteristics are, it doesn't matter. Moses was a stutterer, many people think, and not the greatest speaker of the world. In fact, when God was at telling him what to do, Moses said, you got the wrong guy. But can I remind you of the day when the children of Israel were led out of Egypt and they came to the Red Sea? Whoo, isn't that a great story? Somebody said already, I can't wait to get to heaven to ask questions. Could you imagine being at the Red Sea? The enemy's chasing you. And here, Moses, this guy who was a murderer, who really was just Moses, you know what I'm saying, holds up a stick and the Red Sea parts. Old country preacher one day was debating this uh, liberal theologian. And the liberal theologian said, yeah, I understand that preacher, but when Moses parted the Red Sea, it was only this thick. And the country preacher said, "Woo, glory, hallelujah. And he said, what in the world? He said, it was only this deep. He said, yeah, I can't believe God's that good. He said, what do you mean? He said, that means God drowned an entire Egyptian army in that much water. <laughs> but it was called the Red Sea, not the Red Crick. When God parted the Red Sea, the children of Israel walked across on dry ground. Could you imagine being the mama and the dad? You ever been to an aquarium? Yeah, they have glass. Could you imagine? Oh, mom, what's that? Ah, you know. Don't touch the water. It might fall. You know, I'm thinking moms would be going crazy. But as they walked across that on dry ground, it was because Moses believed God. Nothing special about him. He had problems in his personality. He had quirks. But he believed God.
I'd have loved to have been there when the fiery furnace was heated up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were indentured servants, slaves, who just believed God. Now I'm going to tell you, it'd be one thing to believe God on the bottom step, but to leave God, believe God when the people carrying you to the furnace are killed. Could you imagine getting in that furnace and not being burned? Can you use your head for just a minute? I mean, could you imagine and, and seeing a fourth-like person in there? That would have scared me to death until they realized who it was. All because these normal, generic nobodies believed God. you get into the business of comparing yourself with others then you'll be in for a rough ride you won't match up but if we look at scripture you can see God used many people regardless of their failures and situations God used a beggar named Lazarus to preach a daily sermon to a rich man God used 12 unknown men, many who were uneducated, some were social outcasts, all from various walks of life to set the world on fire. Doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what problems you have, what personality quirks you exhibit, what your level of education is, what your level of acceptance of others is, God can and will use you if you just surrender to him. Do you know I'm I got sanctification wrong for most of my life. I really thought it was about effort. And I worked hard to try to get it. I did. Brother Jim knew me back then. I mean, if if you could if you could obtain sanctification by effort, I tried. I really did. I wanted to do right. I wanted to be right. I, and and <coughs> it seemed like the more I tried, the harder it was to obtain. I remember sitting in an auditorium for the first time and beginning to understand for the first time I, that sanctification, like salvation, was not about effort. It's about surrender. What I wanted, God had already done. And it was available. And what He wanted for me was that I would surrender and just take it. Just accept it. Just believe Him. I wonder today, what did you walk in here with? Maybe you come in here today and you've never trusted Christ. You walked in with the attitude, listen, it doesn't matter what the preacher says. I know this is where I'm at. And you know what? You can leave that way, but you don't have to. You can leave today changed 
like you could never imagine if you come to Christ. You may have walked in here today with rebellion in your heart and even your parents don't know. You could have things in your life, maybe through your eyes, maybe through your ears, maybe through your attitudes, but you walked in here with that baggage and you've been trying to keep a hold of it and every day we're going to do the best we can to blast it out of your hands because from experience we know those things will rob you of your joy. And what God wants you to do is understand that baggage is slowing you down and come to an old-fashioned altar and say, Oh, by the grace of God, I want my life changed. God, I surrender all. Lord, I want to live for you. God, I'm going to place this on an altar today. God, I surrender it to you. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I'm not like so-and-so. I could never. Don't be like so-and-so. Be you. You can imagine, back in 1993 or 4, I got a call from Pastor Van Gelder and asked me if I'd like to come on staff here. Now, you can tell by just hearing me for a few minutes, I'm not like the normal staff member. I was doing everything I could to be like everybody else. And I was miserable, failing. Pastor Van Gelder calls me in his office. I never forget this. He said, what's wrong? I said, Pat, I said, you might as well let me leave because I can't be like everybody else. I said, I'm trying. He said, don't be. He said, I brought you here to be you. I said, get out of here. No, <laughs> you did you know. He said, yeah, just be you. You know what I learned? God doesn't want me to, to use me to be somebody else. He just wants to use me to be him. And that's what he wants of you. It's okay if you don't have the talents of somebody else. God does not call based on your ability. He calls based upon his. And it all begins when you raise the right flag surrender that's the secret there's no other shortcuts there's no other way around it you have to surrender and the truth is right now the Holy Spirit of God is pointing out in every one of your hearts what it is you need to surrender that's the way he works I don't even have to mention it and the truth is, right now, you're, bring, you're being brought to the Red Sea. And it's laid out for you, and the enemy's behind, and, and the promised land, God's will for your life is there. And as you're brought to this point in your life, you're at again in a place where you have to make the decision, am I going to have faith, believe God, and surrender all, or am I going to leave the same way I walked in? Every single message you sent through, by the grace of God, we want to bring you to that decision over and over again. Why? Because we've learned the best place we can be is surrender. You can't do great things for God until you do the most important thing for you, and that's surrender. What is it for you today?
What's the Holy Spirit pleading with right now, Spirit? Can I tell you something? Surrender. Can God use you? No. Let's try that again. Can God use you? What if there's some sin in your life? If you get that right today, can God use you? What if there's some difficulties in your personality to the point to where maybe you stutter, and maybe you have other issues, maybe your family's not what it ought to be, maybe your life hasn't been what it ought to be, can God still use you? What if you came in today, you didn't even plan on getting right with God, you just came to attend, and God starts working in your heart, and you surrender those things at the altar, can God still use you? What if you're here today and maybe you've been paddling for months and years about some sin in your life that that God's just been dealing with and dealing with and you say, Preacher, I've tried it before. If you do today, put that sin in that altar and surrender all. Can God still use you? God can. Listen to me, young person. The only thing keeping God from using you is you. You've got to make the decision in your heart to give your life to Him, to put it on the altar and say, God, I know it's not much. I know there are failures, but the everything I got, God, it's yours. And when you do that, you are able to be used of God. But until you do, you're worthless to Him. Zero to hundred is not a catchy slogan. It's the reality of a Christian life. There's no in-between. Not if we're going to be used of God. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the Spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and rest to all on the altars laid. Oh, young person, would you do that today? God can use you if you'll let Him. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the 2019 The Generation Youth Summit. If you were blessed by this sermon, don't forget to make plans to join hundreds of other young people next October for our annual meeting in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit thegeneration.org slash summit. And until next time, thanks for listening.